what's up? It's ARW Raw, and we are here today with the incredible Matt B, who is currently nominated for Best Global Grammy. I am so excited for him. We actually met at my friend Kit Wakeley's event where he performed and co-hosted, and he's just an incredible and extremely talented musician, artist, and mentor in the industry. So I figured you guys will want to hear him on the show. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, and thank you so much for having me on the show, Amanda. I've been super excited to do it, and now we're finally here, right? Woo! We're finally here. It took forever with our busy schedules to nail down a time, but we're here, and it's so exciting because the Grammys are about to happen, and you are nominated with the remarkable Eddie Kenzo for your song, Give Me Love, which I've been listening to nonstop since that performance <laughs> you did. It was really show-stopping. thank you thank you yeah the grammys are right around the corner um and you know i'm really excited just to go and absorb that essence because i've been to the grammys a couple of times now but this is my first time um attending as a grammy nominated artist and i'm already knowing that that energy is just completely different and i'm looking forward to to seeing all of my musical peers and, you know, walking that red carpet, that main red carpet for the first time and, and all that has to come with it, um, particularly a potential Grammy win. I'm manifesting that for you. I told you, I believe in 444. I believe in the universe, God, everything. (laughs) I think you're going to win because I think you and Eddie have a great song going for yourselves. And, um, you know, I, this is my first Grammys ever. I, I'm 25. I just joined the Academy after signing with Playboy and getting my music on a much higher level. And finally, I'm having the opportunity to go to the Grammys and experience it. You know, my first time, you know, like having my stylist and my makeup team and, you know, staying in the Beverly Hills Hotel, like having a really cool first experience. But it yeah. can't compare to like being actually nominated. I'm like, wow, because I submitted three songs and they got through a few rounds, but they did not get to the final round because um, as we're going to delve into on this podcast, you know, you have such a strategy behind everything you do. And I find that really impressive. And when we first met, um, I remember asking for so much advice and you're like, you just got to keep like narrowing down your image and like really hustling on, you know, all of the stuff. And I just can't wait to get into that with you. And I'm really happy to see that you're doing this. And I can't wait to see you on the main red carpet. And for anyone who doesn't know, you know, obviously I'm going to be on the red carpet as well, but it's not the main red carpet. The main red carpet is for only nominees and that's extremely impressive. And it's going to be its own, you know, um, vibe and people think like oh you know like the celebrities do one carpet and the regular people do another like no that's not true you know there's celebrities on the other carpet but the, the main carpet is just nominees and just well, you know, the people up for awards this year yeah a hundred percent and let's just put it this way uh you have to be either extremely high profile as a celebrity or you have to be a grammy nominee and that's basically how it works if you're going to hit the main red carpet because it's a very tight situation. I mean, you have literally hundreds of artists from across the United States and even the world trying to walk that red carpet. It's one of the most sought after red carpets to walk in the music industry. In the world, period. So to be able to walk that main red carpet is just nothing short of amazing. And even for those who are celebrities, if, if they don't have their weight up, then, you know, even if they walked one year, they may not be able to walk the following year. It just really just depends on who they are, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a great honor for me, not only to be able to walk the carpet, but also to be a Grammy nominee. 
and to potentially have a win. And even even if I don't get the win, you know, I'm just grateful for the nomination because I already feel like a winner. There are so many artists who who dream of this moment and dream of being Grammy nominated, let alone a Grammy award winning recording artist and all that comes with it. And there is just such a that that, that's a limited elite class to be a part of. And and I'm just grateful now to be able to say that I am a part of that class. Yeah. And I think that's so incredible. And I can't wait for one day when I'm hopefully nominated. I have a lot of records um, and and collaborations in the works with some global people and some other category people, which we'll get into later, but that's, you know, a big part of it. And I think it's really smart that you went the global route and that you chose to collaborate with someone so powerful from Africa and that you guys put your heads together and made a great record because too many people, like, obviously I'm submitting to rap and hip hop because that's what I do. But like, I feel like once I can submit to other categories and have other eyes and ears on my stuff, it's like, Oh wow, this is really different. And I feel that, you know, I'm aspiring to be on your level, which is like, you really are bringing the whole world into your music. It's not just R&B, rap, you know, pop. It's like actually global music. And I think there's something really big to be said for that. And it is a whole other class of people um, and artists. And I think that, you know, someone like you really deserves it. And in a minute, we're going to dive into your early life and your background. Because when you first started telling me about your background, I was extremely um, impressed with everything you've done to get to this point and be living. You live in Hollywood, right? Um, actually, no. Um, I live in an area that's um, in the northern region of Los Angeles. I definitely don't want to say exactly where I live. Oh, no, I hear, you, I hear you. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I'm, yeah, I'm moving from Hollywood, so that's why I say that. I'm like, but I'm is it, out of L.A. I don't want it's, it's a nice little drive. It's maybe like a good like thir- 30 or, or so minutes north. No, so. that's what that's what my fiance and I need because Jordan and I have been wanting to move from Hollywood, but it's like that's the thing that I was gonna get into. It's like you're out here, but you're not like in the mix. Like I like that's how I'm trying to be. Like you already are in the mix, so you don't have to like constantly be like up here in the city in the mix unless you have some reason to be at the studio, be at a shoot, whatever. That's the vibe I'm trying to take on because living in Hollywood, I'm already so busy with all my music all of my studio time, all of my time on different TV shows and movies and, you know, doing shoots for Playboy Centerfold. It's just nonstop. And it's like, if I could really transition everything to being a little bit outside of LA, I feel that I would have some more peace and quiet to be able to, you know, make <laughs> records, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely, I appreciate being further out and being able to have that view where when I look out of my back door, a completely glass facade where I get to see the mountains and I get to see and I have a swimming pool in the backyard and I have a nice playset for my little ones and and all that and I have my recording studio at my house which is just so funny because I remember early on in my career I just thought to myself because I've always been recording myself right like yeah earlier on in my career there was a time when it was almost impossible to even get anyone to send me a beat let alone allow me to be inside of their recording studio and you know studio time is expensive so I went out on a journey to kind of just buy my own stuff and that's what I did as I thought to myself like you know I can't wait until eventually I can get inside of one of those million dollar studios and be able to see what it feels like to be in a real studio and all that stuff and you know that happened for me a, a little while back ago um, and now here I am years later and I prefer to record at home. <laughs> yeah. Do you own or rent? I'm curious being an LA person. Oh, oh, I own. That's smart. I want to do that. Yeah. I'm trying to stack my bread to own. <laughs> for sure. For sure. You know, it's just, 
it's those baby steps, but you know, I'm just so grateful for just the whole experience. And, Very impressive. You know, we I just recently moved here because I came from Chicago, so I've only been here for about a year. And um, uh, you know, that's very impressive. Work. You made your mark here already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, it, yeah. it it's about it's about timing, right? So everything for, is timing in in life, and everything happens for a reason. And um, I moved here seven years ago when I turned eighteen and went to school for business of entertainment at the University of Southern California, fight mm. on USC. And um, nice. <laughs> I, you know, when I started going there. I I realized like. You know, everything is about timing and how you set things up and how you budget your time. So the fact that you and we're going to get into your early life and how you became this person you are today, obviously, in a minute. But the fact that you transitioned everything from Chicago, including your family, like your wife and everything, and then all of your equipment, all of your connections, you know, you're truly transcending what it means to be an artist and be like, oh, an incredible talented artist. Like, no, like you're actually above that because you're a businessman and you're a mentor to a lot of people like myself, where it's like even just giving that small bit of advice, like, you know, recycle old content or do this or style more like this. Like you just have this perspective that you bring to people and you really bring people value and you, you don't like talk down on people. You know what I mean? Cause you've been yeah. there. I appreciate yeah. that about you. Yeah. I thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I've been in many situations for sure where people have spoken very lowly of me or have treated me in a way that no one should ever have to be treated as a recording artist. Amen. And, I said to myself in those circumstances, I thought, you know, I have two choices here. I can continue to perpetuate the way that people deal with other people and I can speak to other artists that way when I am in that position or I can break that cycle and I can still be respectful while getting my point across. Yes. I think yes. That that's that goes a long way because at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to make it. Everyone's just trying to push their career forward in some way, shape or form. And the last thing that I ever want to do to anyone is to talk down on them or make it seem like they're a lesser or beneath me, because in the reality of things, they're not. I'm in this position now, but they could be in this position tomorrow. So I always move with yeah. as much respect as I possibly can when it comes to other people. And that's incredible, and it really shows your work ethic, Matt, because I'm the same way. Like, when I interned at places in film or music, and they treated me like actual shit, like literally garbage, like, oh, you don't get paid, you don't get this, like, you don't get respect. I was like, when I'm in this position of power, I'm never going to do this to people or treat people this way. And it, it's a really, um, I guess, uh, I'd say funny feeling when you when you finally like i my fiance and i own our own production company and we have interns now and it's like i would never treat them how i was treated and For sure. it, it, that's furthering your point you know about you know don't treat others the way you were treated treat others the way you would have wanted to be treated and then you'll be able to make the industry in, in your own way and at least know you gave back you know exactly on some exactly. level on some level and i feel like at the end of the day you know that's why when you have your documentary one day or when you have your biggest residency or you know, I see huge things for you. You're going to treat people right. And you're going to have people like me in your back corner who have like, you know, production experience and, and experience doing like documentaries and all sorts of stuff. And we want to help you because you're a good Oh, 100%. Person. You know what 100%. I mean? And I feel like you can help me too in the future because it's not like, oh, this is competition and you're nominated. I'm not like, I hate that. No, energy. not at I all. I hate that shit. Not at all. You know, I, I, I'm blessed, you know, anybody could have had this nomination and I'm grateful that the recording academy and my peers saw enough in me where they were willing to vote to allow me 
to obtain a nomination. And at the end of the day, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm no one special. I I don't have anything that anyone else doesn't have. It's just a matter of just focusing to be able to bring out the best in yourself. And I'm fortunate that I had people around me who saw things in me that perhaps I didn't see in myself. And they were willing to take the time and energy to pull that out of me. And, you know, it's really just like each one teach one. So for me, if someone was willing to do that for me, then I should be willing to do that for someone else because that's the that's the best gift that I can continue to give to this world yeah. is is the gift of self and the gift of my time and the gift, gift of being selfless. Right. And I'm looking out at the hill right now. I'm in Hollywood looking at the hills and it's like, there's so many people living in these hills where you don't know what they do or you don't know how they got where they are. But we all just have to see our own journey and we all have to help each other. And that's what this podcast is about a lot. You know, I was extremely shocked to find out I was in the top 5% of shared business podcasts from 2022. Insane. You're right. Insane. I have no clue. And it's just Congratulations. Like, Thank you so much, Matt. That means <laughs> a lot coming from you. And, you know, honestly, I, I just get excited to have incredible friends of mine and incredible mentors, incredible peers on the show and be able to their amazing wisdom with everyone instead of just keeping my connections to myself and you know kind of being that person who's like gatekeeping so to speak yeah. I love to spread you know how did you get this Grammy nomination you know how did your early life in Chicago transition to being in LA and we're going to get into all that but the people on this show need to realize that the reason why I, I put the show on which by the way doesn't bring me that much profit compared to my other stuff I'm just doing it so I can share genuinely the people I fuck with vibe with everyone 100%. else <laughs> to be real oh, you know? 100% yeah. yeah and it's it's amazing that you have this whole story where you know you, when we first met I'd love if you could tell everyone how your early life in Chicago and your upbringing um, brought you first of all um, to Angela and how she became your manager and and that whole side of things of learning to um, produce your own beats and everything you did to be basically moved to LA become this star singer and then and then how you, you know, the whole Eddie Kenzo Grammy situation. So I think there, there's a lot to unpack That's a huge, there, no, so I want to hear you monologue for a minute, man. <laughs> Seriously. Well, it just, it just depends on, it depends on how far back we want to go, right? So All the way back. Okay, first. let's let's go all the way back then. Let's yeah. go all the way back. So I'll, so I'll do this in segments, right? Let's start off with my early life as a child coming yes. from the south side of Chicago, coming from the ghettos of Chicago, growing up in Inglewood. And then eventually moving to um, to the to the Roseland area, which is also affectionately known as the Wild Hundreds. So right. you know, I I have uh, five older brothers and one little sister, and I came from a musical family. My grandmother she used to travel all across the United States um, during the Green Book era, and I'm not sure how familiar everyone is with that, but that basically was an era when African-Americans could not travel throughout the United States back in the um, 1920s, 1930s. And if you did, it wouldn't end well for you. You could potentially end up getting lynched or murdered or so all horrible. types of other different stuff. So, but she had the courage to, to travel the United States during that time. And um, she eventually found herself in Chicago. She met my grandfather and um, they ended up in Pilgrim Baptist Church, where she ended up um, intermingling with the founder of gospel music. So she was there during and his name slips my mind. But uh, but she was there during that time before gospel music was gospel. 
right? It was during that time when it was being when it was being created, and she was there, um, um, and and my imagination helping to to guide that because she was singing in that choir, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I say that to say I come from a very rich musical background, and I continue that legacy, and I continue it through my grandmother. Um, that being said, uh, to my earlier years of singing, and what just made me want to be a recording artist, one of the more influential memories that I have would be when I was with my brothers in high school. And this was the first time that I was performing with them as a group that we started. It was my freshman year. Um, wow. It was, and my, I had two older brothers that was with me. One was a junior and the other one was a sophomore. So I was a freshman. Um, I was homeschooled. So my first day of high school was like my first day of regular school, right? Wow. And, and I'm sitting there with my brothers. They're like, hey, we should do this. We should do this end of semester, um, pushing into like basically the Christmas season show. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So we're singing a cappella. We're singing a boys to men song. Right. Um, Classic. I'm, right, right. So I'm thinking, so initially I'm excited about it. But as we get closer to the date, I'm like, I'm like shitting bricks thinking in my head, like, what have I done? Why did I sign up for this? And <laughs> I'll never forget when I hit that stage and the entire student body just went wild with me and my brothers just standing there and they were so loud that the faculty had to calm them down before we were able to actually sing. <laughs> so, so when we started singing, everyone just starts erupting even louder. And then the faculty is consistently telling them, constantly telling them, calm down, calm down, calm down. And it was at that moment that I knew like, wow, like this is something that I could do for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. So, so that's that part, right? Right. Let's, let's go into my earlier years as a solo artist. But how did so, you end up in Inglewood, though? That's my question. <laughs> yeah, feel, feel free to ask me any questions. Yeah, yeah, I'll just jump part. in. How do you end up in Inglewood? So that Chicago, so Chicago um, Southside was high school? Yeah, yeah. And then you came to Inglewood after high school? No, I was in, I was in Inglewood first. As oh. A small child. oh, you were born. Okay. No, so so I was born. So I was born in I was born in a suburb of Chicago. The name of that suburb is Oak Park. It's a western suburb. We got kicked out of Oak Park because my there's a lot of duality in my life, right? There's a lot of there is a lot of juxtaposition in my life because right. my father he was a Chicago police officer, but my brother he was a vice lord, a gang affiliated three universal stars. So he was up there, one of the chiefs of the vice lords. And because of some of the things that he was doing um, in Oak Park, we got kicked out of Oak Park before I turned five. Wow. So then we, so we moved to the, we moved to the South side of Chicago and ended up in Inglewood. Now there's a lot of duality in that as well, because it, Oak Park is a very upper middle-class suburb. Whereas the Inglewood being in the south side of Chicago is probably basically like extreme poverty. Yeah, I know where Oak Park is. Um, I, I'm Jewish, so I have family who lives in Ravina. Okay. So like, I know that whole area, and it's like, yeah, like it's crazy because they're so racist and so um, the police can be very brutal in Chicago, and it's insane to see like the the wealth disparity and the different cities and the suburbs, and you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I, obviously, not all police, but certain police. Yeah, uh, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think so that's, was... that's crazy. So, so you had to 
so you had um obviously family in the police force and you had the gang family so so how would how did that go down when you ended up in Inglewood? So it was, it was a it was a very interesting time, you know. We were it was extreme poverty. Like right, there were times when when there was no heat in the winter, and you know Chicago is cold. So frozen, frozen cold. So no, no heat in the middle of January and February. Um, times wow. when you know we're going days without food because my parents can't afford to put any food on the table. Wow. Um, times when you know hand-me-downs basically was was what it was going to be. You know, not yeah. having not having um, vehicles to get around in because my parents couldn't afford it. And you know, I'm a, I'm a little kid, like. You know, I don't really know what's going on, but what I do know is that I don't like it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So then, we're so then we're moving to, we ended up moving to the deeper south side of Chicago, being the Roseland area. Um, right. Um, off of like 110th and, and, and Halstead. And that's where yeah. I spent my teenage years. But I went to probably one of the worst high schools in Chicago, being um, um, South Shore High School which is located on the east side of Chicago by like okay. 76 and Constance. Um, so you I'm know, pretty and, familiar with Chicago. So I know where that is. Cause my, my, I have family there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so crazy then, deep in the cut. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they call that area, they call terror town. So oh, you can only, so you can only imagine uh, uh, what's going on over there. So, you know, I'm over here. I ended up becoming the valedictorian of my class, but at the same time, that's why I say there's, wow. a, lot of dual, there's a lot of duality in my life because at on one end I'm the valedictorian of my class but on the other end I, I'm 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 running around like a miscreant <laughs> like like every like everybody else around me and I, obviously I wasn't as bad but you know I I definitely did some things that I'm not proud of during that time so it's like it's one of those things where there's where you know you did what you had to do to survive but when you see when you go to school with people and one day they're in the classroom with you and the next day they got shot in the head and they're no longer with you, or you go to school one day and you're playing uh, football or wrestling or whatever on one of those teams. Right. And then from there you come back the next day and so-and-so doesn't show up to practice because he just got beat up within an inch of his life. Like you like these types of things happening, friends getting caught with eight balls of cocaine. Like these uh -huh. are the types of things that are happening. A drug sniffing dog shutting down the whole school. Like these are the types of things happening around me. So when I say extreme poverty, <laughs> I no, I I believe you. That's crazy because the fact that you went through all of that and then you turned it clearly into a positive and you utilized your performance skills and your ability to like make everyone laugh and make everyone entertained and you know be able to pull things off. You really took advantage of the, the skill set you basically gained from living in that lifestyle and living yeah. in that um that economic class basically because now you know you're like a high roller so it's crazy to see like <laughs> you're up here like paying all these g's for stylists and you know yeah. cars and music videos we'll get into that later because that's part of the lifestyle but it's also part of like the business side that we can get yeah. in but you know it's like you know you you really i'm really impressed because i i personally am not from a background anywhere anything like that and i've seen a lot of movies and i've had a lot of friends who have had experiences like that but i could not personally imagine being in that situation and the fact that you just turned it around so um boldly and got into music which we'll get into next you know um after you know moving past ninth grade i want to hear your story because it just that so far is like you, you had a whole evolution of who you are how you can use your music background 
um, how you can, you know, how you use your mother, uh, grandmother's legacy to, to be where you are now and, and, and to fuel your passion for music. Like, when did you start getting into buying all this equipment and producing your own records? So, like, from ninth grade, wh- what happened? You did more shows? <laughs> so, so I, I ended up doing um, quite a bit of shows with my brothers. And, um, you know, we, we traveled around the Midwest and we had some deals on the table. I don't want to name drop or anything like that. Of course, that. no. But, you know, we we had some deals on the table that didn't end up going through. My brothers, they kind of get got tired of it. One went to the military. The other one, like, kind of just did his own thing. But they both continued to kind of sing. But it wasn't to the level that I'm doing right now. Right? It was on the business level. It was, like, more I, personal. Yeah, for 100%. 100%. So that, that brings me to, like, college and stuff, right? And, like, when I was in college, I just kind of just made that decision like there, like I majored in architecture. I ended up graduating with a bachelor's in architecture. But that whole time, I kind of was like doing school just to do it, but really focusing on music. <laughs> I business of entertainment, but the whole which is the movie business, which is how my fiance and I have our own animation company, and we're pitching. Brilliant. But I'm pitching some huge companies right now, and it's like I. Feel like I got to where I am now at 25 because all through college I was up till 4 a.m. studio producers who worked with some of the biggest names like MV Hold Beyonce. Those were some of the kids I went to school with. They were they were being used by Sony, nice. Universal, all these people. So you know, shout out to my boy Dally, shout out to my boy John Stone, my boy Patty. Like those people, like they hooked me up the first time I ever recorded. And that's how I ended up being put on to my show with Cardi B in 2018 and all of the stuff I've done. And in college, that's Love when it. I saw you got to grind at night, you know? Yeah, you 100% do. 100%. My, my, my journey was, uh, was, was the opposite of that. I was in a situation where uh, definitely I was grinding at night, but like, no one wanted to touch me with a 10 foot pole as a recording artist. Everyone, be- everyone believed that I basically didn't have the gumption to do it, what? that I didn't have, that I didn't have the voice and that I would never make it. And there were quite a few people that told me that, but me being the type of person that I am, um, you know, that type of stuff just adds fuel to my fire. You're like, makes- watch me, bitch. Let's do- yeah. A hundred percent. It just makes me want to push harder. So when I went through that and when I realized like, Hey, no one wants to help me. I was like, you know, God helps those who helps them who help themselves. Right. So I took, I took my tax return of a couple of thousand dollars and I said, I'm going to buy this music equipment. So I didn't know what I was doing as far as the music equipment went, but you know, you know, Google and, and YouTube and all that, you know, is they're powerful tools. So they go yeah, a long way. They really learn anything. I realized <laughs> A hundred percent. I have hundreds of thousands of dollars off of learning things from online and just doing and just repeating and, and, and doing it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I went on a mission to kind of learn how to become my own sound engineer and yeah. learn how to record myself. And I spent a lot of time in my dorm doing that. And I actually produced uh, my first album in my dorm, which, which I was super proud of just to be able to say that I did it. And I learned a lot from there. And then from there, I went on a mission just to try and produce as much music as I possibly could. Um, and during that time frame, I met my 
girlfriend, which would eventually become my wife. And I met her at Millennium Park in Chicago and she actually used to model. So she came for a photo shoot for some music stuff that I was doing. And then from there, I, you know, we kind of hit it off and, and we ended up dating. And then from there we ended up getting married. So Do you guys have kids? What'd you say? Do you guys have kids? Yeah, we have, we have three little ones. Oh my gosh. How old are they? Um, They're nine, seven and five. Oh my God. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Cause I heard you say little ones earlier and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Like, I had no idea you were a dad. That's so impressive. Yeah. That you're yeah. Like, that's why I say family off this in my life. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's impressive. We need more family men and family women in the industry and people, I want to be a mom really soon in the next few years. And people would say, Oh, you know, you're going to have to give up music and modeling. It's like, that's not true. You can do whatever you put your mind to and you can provide for your family off of art and people don't want to believe it. A hundred percent, and I'm and I'm living proof of that. You're a testament you know? to that shit, man. You're you're out yeah. house in the hills, bougie living life. You know, you're <laughs> smart. You're not like these people who flex like that. You know. Oh no, yeah, I keep, you're put I keep together. Everything, keep everything extremely low key, extremely low key. But I, but you know, I ended up recording my first album. Uh, I mean, my I ended up recording music inside of my girlfriend, which would eventually become my wife's apartment. And so you recorded Angela's apartment. Yeah, so that. So that music just kind of sat on YouTube for maybe like about a year or so. Okay. Okay. And then from there, a random Japanese label hit me up on YouTube and was like, hey, we want to sign you. So I'm thinking it's a joke. And I'm like, oh, these guys are trying to steal my music is what I'm thinking. But, I'm, but you know, I kind of prayed about it. And I was like, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's do the deal. And, for, and they were like, okay, these 14 songs that we see on YouTube, we want this to be your first album. And this was the songs that I recorded inside of, of Angela's um, apartment because I was living with her at the time. So then, so then I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. So we did the deal. I ended up signing a distribution deal with them through a label that I created, Vita Records, which still exists to this day because I knew that going into it that I wanted that ownership was very important. So I wanted to maintain that ownership and the best way to do it was by creating my own record label. Yeah, so, that's smart because I don't take any deal unless it's unless it's good. I don't take any deals on ownership, and I have my own label, which is it's Westworld, and that's smart to have that because you, then no one can like say, "Oh, well, we own you," like the whole Taylor Swift situation with her masters. Exactly, exactly. So the album did really well. It um, ended up charting um, number one on the on for R and B. Um, on iTunes in Japan, it ended Whoa. up being distributed in over fourteen hundred stores um, in Japan. And so you're super famous I, in Japan. On top of uh, you know, United States. Yep, yep. So I, okay. so that so that album did extremely well. Um, then I released my second album with them, which I which did even better than the first album. Then I found out just recently that that my f- debut album with them ended up somehow making its way into China. And I ended up with over 150 something million streams on one song. And then I ended up, and I also ended up with like the rest of the songs kind of cascaded underneath that. So 10 million streams here, 5 million streams there, 20 million streams here. So I was like, wow. So I found out that not only did I have a fantastically large fan base in, in Japan, but I also have a really large fan base in China as well. It's insane they found you through YouTube. So they just randomly found you and commented on your video and they just vibed with it and then they marketed it really hard. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Filmed, <laughs> that sounds so cool. And I filmed I filmed all of the music videos myself for that album. 
Um, I edited all the music videos myself for that album. I've been there. Bro. I've been there. And and you know, but you know, all that's a learning experience because having all those different skill sets really just go a long way. Because then, when you eventually hire someone to do it, you know exactly how. It's that's being exactly started. what I do. Exactly. For a long time, I produced and directed my own music videos, and then when I hired my boy Maddie, he shoots all my shit, and and I can tell him, look, you know, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that, and he knows exactly what I'm saying, and he knows exactly my angles, my vibe. You know, it's not like. You're explaining to someone from scratch what to do, and you already know what you want, so you can say from the inside out what type of thing you're wanting. Exactly, because then you speak the language of it, and speaking the language is just super important because you don't have to be a master of everything, but you should at least know of everything, so that way you can you you can be able to give your opinions about what it is that you want and how you want it done, which for me just has gone a long way in my career. Same, I hear that, because... Being able to produce for TV and film and music videos, plus being able to write and record songs and having such vocal training. I, I work with <clears throat> I work with Megan Trainer's vocal coach. She's a good friend of mine. Nice. And, um, you know, being able to have those assets and those resources and having those people in my corner really has helped me. But also knowing how to run a podcast, you know, know having my own production company, you know, having my own producer who I have an exclusive deal with where I own everything and I pay mm-hmm. up for That's a really important um, sort of mechanism and uh product downline to set up because i know who can make my merch i know who can you know distribute this i know who can do that but like you say it's all a matter of having the right people around you and i think there's a lot of people that still need to come into my life you know i'm only 25 here i there's still gonna be a lot more people coming into my life you know giving me actually good record deals and giving me good distribution partnerships and that type of stuff and you have to have your eyes open and have enough wherewithal to be like no like i've said no to so many deals and there's a certain time like you said when you have to say yes like when playboy came with me came to me with the contract this summer to be a Playboy bunny. I was like, at first I was like, fuck yeah. And then my lawyer was like, hold up. You probably know my lawyer. She's um she's a Billboard top 10 lawyer. She's in the Academy. Do you know nice. Rachel Stillwell? Say, say her name one more time. Rachel Stillwell. I think I have met her before. I, I know of her. Even she's if on I haven't the advocacy met her, team. She's on the advocacy yeah. team with um Kiana. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for okay, sure, cool. for sure. That's yeah, because awesome. she was like, she was like, you, yo, like Rachel was like, yo, Amanda, like, don't sign that till I review it. And I, she reviewed it. And she's like, okay, this is a sound contract. But that was the first ever like sound contract I received. Like, do you know how many management slash agent slash distribution teams have reached out and they're like, hey, we want to help, we want to represent you, and they put on an act like they're so successful because they've so and so signed. It's like they could have the biggest person in the world sign, but then you look at the back end and you're like, wait, you're gonna fuck me over so bad. Or just, or just because just because they have so-and-so signed doesn't mean you're getting the same contract. Oh, they... exactly. That's my point. It's like, maybe they have a different... Yeah, exactly. Or maybe they, they have a whole other situation going on because they're offering me shit deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I learned that, you know, you just... You definitely have to be very careful with the contracts that you sign. Or even if you are signing a contract that might not be the most ideal situation. It's about knowing what your next move is going to be because maybe you might want to sign a deal that's less than ideal because you want to make sure that you have room to move forward and upward mobility and you know even with some of the contracts i've signed like i i vividly recall signing with priority records um which is a subsidiary of capital records um i did a deal with them a couple of years ago i'm not with them anymore but it wasn't the most ideal contract it was a fair contract but it wasn't the most ideal. Yeah, you don't have the upper knew, hand, obviously, because you're not at that point. Right, but I, but I knew, I knew at that time that I really wanted to see how a major label worked, and in order to be able to do that, that I would have to take some that some concessions would have to be given, 
in order for that to happen. So I gave those concessions. It wasn't for it wasn't for a long time. So I was like, you know, I I can I can take this deal. And I learned a lot through that system. And I learned not only that I don't want to be with a major label anytime soon. Right. But, but I also learned, um, you know, more of the business end of things, more about how songs are properly registered and about how there are multiple streams of income and how to continue to get those multiple streams of income and becoming more familiar with the business end of things. And I'm not saying that I wasn't, but it, it just it gave me a bird's eye view, something that initially I didn't have. Yeah, right. And it's crazy because when you are in that position where you're like, oh, my God, this huge label, right? Like a lot of people get stars in their eyes and they like don't realize what that actually entails because they've never been in the position to be with a big label. But my friend, you know, I don't want to speak on his name because, again, let's not name drop and like throw people under the bus. But my friend had a number one hit. Um, He got a McDonald's commercial. He got a Super Bowl commercial. He, I'm sure you can understand who it is from this, uh, just even describing <laughs> this. But um, he, and you know, and he got um, another song with uh, another big artist. And he went around saying, I'm better than Drake. I'm better than Beyonce. I'm better than so-and-so because I've had mm. the longest, you know, number one chart for the year mm. 2020. Or I think it was 2019 or 2020. And then he got signed to Columbia and we were supposed to have a song together. He was like, fuck you. I'm bigger than you. Suck my dick. And I was like, okay, wow. well, that, that's great. But that's not where it ends. So he, so he then turns around and tells everyone, I'm going to be so famous. I'm going to be this world tour. Da, da, da. And then he starts ripping into even more celebrities. Like, I'm better than Kanye. I'm better than so-and-so. Oh, and then the label God. slowly just started benching him and benching him because it was like, you can't keep just like going around claiming you're better than everyone. I understand you have aspirations and goals and you want to be huge, but you can't just like have one number one single and then think you're better than everyone. So Columbia Records, guess what they said? They said, nope, you're off these uh, festivals. And you're off of these uh, opportunities and, you know, we're kind of benching you and he's still putting out music, but I've, I've been watching him over the last few years, you know, as a former friend of his and supporter. And, you know, it's kind of like really disappointing because he went from about 50 million listeners to now he's at like 2 million listeners, which seems still like a lot. Wow. Come on, 50 million to 2 million. Wow. Do the yeah, math. that's a big jump. Yeah. Big jump, big jump. And, you know, someone like me, I, I, I don't even see myself signing with a major label anytime soon either because I'm trying to really hone down, you know, more records more you know networking within the recording academy networking as a bunny you know expanding my production company i have a lot of goals like starting my family moving out of la like so many goals that are like all kind of simultaneous so it's very um as i'm sure you can talk about next you know it's very hard to balance work life especially when you are pretty much um profiting off of your appearance slash uh, creations oh yeah what 100 is, is hard and you know you're definitely going to get there it's just it's just um, little by little, one step at a time, right? You know, process exactly. I believe it. Like I saw a quote the other day. It was like, "You need to believe it before you can see it." And I talk about that type of stuff a lot because I believe in manifestation. But it's like, mm-hmm. if you pray and you, you know, really envision what you're going to receive in life, yeah, you can't like pray like, "Oh, I hope that like I'm a billionaire and that I have this yacht." Like that's not real prayers. That's just like you know, throwaway stuff. You need to like pray about what you really want in life, about your goals, your dreams, your aspirations. And be realistic for yourself because you can't be like, I want to be the next Beyonce. I want to be the next Drake. Because it's like, there already is them. Like, you need to be the first. 100%. (laughs) Be the first you. And there's not a lot of people who think like that. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's all you really, that's all you really can be, right? Right. Just be the best, the best you that you can be. And then one's biggest competition is always oneself, right? Right. And it's, it's just about learning, learning that business, learning that business into things and knowing that. Um, or at least, you know, for myself, 
I learned a long time ago not to put all of my self-worth into my music and that there is a lot out there um, for me, even outside of music. So, you know, I think about my, my journey and things like that and how, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm invested in the stock market. I'm invested in crypto. I'm invested in real estate. Um, I'm, I have other avenues and, and streams of income outside of music you know you have to have everything lined up and you have to have many things going on and i think that's really smart of you matt because you know it's like you can you can be a great artist you can be grammy nominated you could win a grammy you could have another great record you could have another of this but there's only so far up the ladder where you can go and i mm -hmm. feel that you're not a guy who's just trying to get something out of people you're trying to really express yourself and have a real musical career and not just be one of those people who's cashing in, cashing in, cashing in. Cause you know, there's a limit to that. That's why there's certain artists who have been left in the dust because they cash in, cash in, you know, only so many times. And then no one's interested anymore because you've already done all the shock value. You don't have any sort of longevity to your career. You need to have backups and backup backups. Like, like you said, I'm invested in the stock market. I have my savings. I have my, social media work i have my influencer work i have my playboy bunny stuff i have my podcast i have my other social media clients i have lots of things going on and my music and all of that and my merchandise and you know you have to have everything going on for yourself and you have to have a lot of streams of income in order to be able to do this stuff that we do oh 100 percent, 100 percent. and even even when when we go back to music i think about i think i think about steve jobs and how then and other very influential people of this time like a jeff bezos or or even a um, an elon musk right right and a lot of these guys they say the same thing which is you know if you find something of value that you can give the world and if you give freely that that is going to be reciprocated to you so it's always about adding value to something and if you can find that way of adding that value you will be rewarded for it and I feel the same way with music. You know, music is a catalyst and music is something that I love to do. But at the end of the day, I do it with purpose and I do it with meaning. And what I do is intentional. So I don't ever do anything just to just to kind of throw shit at a wall. Right. Um, my, my goal, my ultimate goal isn't isn't necessarily fame. Fame will come. But my ultimate goal is just to, to shine a light on this world and to help people in the best way that I know how. And I've been blessed with the gift of music. And if I can help people through my music, then that's something that I 100% want to do. Yeah, you really have. And to get back onto your story about how you and um, Angela met, you were in her apartment making the records and you got signed with the Japanese deal. You know, what happened after that? Like once your stuff blew up in China and Japan and stuff, what was your reaction? Were you like, we need to take this in this direction and sign with this American thing. Like, are you signed currently in America? And what is, what, what was that whole path like till now, till the Grammys? That's a big question to ask, but <laughs> well, how many yeah, years has it been? Like how many years has that been from? So that, you know, so that happened. So I got, so that happened. It was in 2014 when I signed wow. with, with, uh, with the Japanese label. And then from there, my following album came out in 2016 and then in 2018, I signed with Priority Records, and then and now and then and then in 20, I think it was 20, I think 2017, I signed with Priority. Yeah, 2017, I signed with Priority. And is then, Priority in LA? Yeah, Priority is is a subsidiary of Capital Records, so they're in the oh, Capital right. Records building. Yeah. Wow. So they yes. just came to you with that. You didn't have anyone come to them. They just came to you. 
yeah i mean i mean basically yeah (laughs) yeah just from just from working and grinding and all the rest of that stuff and then i ended up doing my deal with them i was with them for a little while now keep in mind like throughout throughout this timeline throughout this timeline like life is happening right so that's why i say people shouldn't shouldn't um stop their life just because they're doing music like for instance i married my wife and hopefully i get the the year right we 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 got we got uh, we we eloped so we got like married through the courthouse right i think it was 20 2012 wow. and then then we had our son in 2013 and then we had our official wedding in 2014 which was the exact year that i got to deal with with the japanese label then we had our daughter and then we had our, our second child in in 2016 you know by this time so 2014 let me see I think I was like 24 or something like that. But anyway, so I, so, so then we have our second child in 2016 and then we had, I'm sorry, 2015. Yeah. 2015, we had our second child. Then we had our third child in 2017, wow. um, which was, which was the same year that I signed with priority. And I remember that because uh, Angela gave birth to our son, and then literally like an hour later, we were on literally an hour later, we were on the phone signing the contracts for that deal. Wow. And that's at, like at, manifested right there the and you prayed for it. There you go. Yeah. So crazy, right? Crazy. That, so is, I just, that it, is crazy. And you do have a, a lot of duality in your life because like new life, new opportunities, you know, like you have so you had so many aspirations and goals and like then you had an amazing wife and kids and like you you achieved your dream and you're able to move out here and do everything and have that huge record deal and have that success and you're not cocky about it that's what struck me when I first met you because I meet a lot of people who actually really ask me to be on the podcast out of you know more like narcissism like oh I want to be on your <laughs> oh podcast I just want to talk about me all day <laughs> but like I told you about my podcast and you were like oh what's it about and you actually like, took the time to listen to a few episodes and like understand oh I'm interviewing people about how they got here and people want to hear about how you got your goals and who you are and like how does Amanda know you and all this stuff because I'm a connector as you can tell and I, I really want to help people I want to help people and that's why I'm a great producer and, and a great artist and you're, and that's you're what the I, same vibe that's what I loved about your energy when I when I met you it's like you know you just was so down to earth and you just had really good vibes and you know we clicked right away so uh you know you, you definitely are going about things the right way and doing the right thing and you know, that that des- definitely doesn't go unnoticed, which is why you have been able to make it to the point that you've been able to make it to. Yeah, we're only going up from here. And I appreciate that you see that because I'm not someone who's pushy. I'm someone who I give my energy and then people receive it. And if my energy is not on someone's wavelength, then I just kind of don't fuck with them. You know what I mean? It's like, 100%. yeah, like I just I'm just genuinely myself and I feel the same exact vibe from you. Like, I really appreciate you saying that because. You know, I've gotten where I am by just being myself. I don't ever have to beg people for deals. I don't ever have to, you know, push people to do something they don't want to do. I'm just like, this is me. Do you want to work? And people want to work. So that's how it always works out. And people just vibe with me. And, you know, when you're grateful for everything you have, you have a really deep passion and appreciation for everything everyone else has and how you guys can help each other. And I'm just so glad that we met. And you and your wife are just incredible, like, being a friend of kids, I was like, oh, let me meet like Matt and Angela because he was like talking about you guys so much. I was like, who are these people? And then I met <laughs> you guys. I knew who Greg was, but I never met Greg. And he was like, oh, yeah, he was like talking you up. So I was like, I came over and I was like, yeah, like you just do have that vibe. You just radiate that energy. And especially as someone who's, you know, religious and a father and stuff like I'm also religious. I'm not Christian, but I'm Jewish. But I, I believe religious is religious, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. you really just like have that affiliation with being 
really soulful and being really um just the vibe that you care about what happens to people and there's not enough people who are religious in the industry these days you know i don't care if it's muslim christian jewish whatever we need people who believe in something and you know you really project that energy you do if you don't if you don't stand if you stand for nothing you'll fall for you'll fall for anything for real and that's 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 a real quote like people say that quote's tacky i'm like that's a real quote because (laughs) if you don't have anything you know how are you gonna like tell right from wrong or what you need to do or not because it's like yeah oh i have no you know goal and i have no direction in life yeah 100 you know for me it's always about legacy and it's about how can i continue to build my legacy so that way in the long run of things, my children and my children's children's children will never have to experience what I had to experience and will never have to go through those negative, those negative things that I had to go through. And, you know, they'll have their own trials and tribulations of life. But ultimately, if I can make that, if I can give them that leg up where they're not starting at zero, but they're starting a little higher than I did, then I think that's going to go a long way. I think there's something to be really said for that. And I think like I said, there's not enough people in the industry like that. And, you know, how did you transition from getting your priority record deal to working with Eddie Kenzo? So, I, so you know, I, I moved to L.A. Um, last year around this time. And when I moved here, it was a long overdue move because I had been going back and forth to L.A. for for a really long time. How so long? We, like 10 years? For, for about five or six years. I've been doing it since like 2016. So, so it was, it was, I moved here in 2016. So that's crazy. That's seven years ago. Yeah. 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 So that's when, so I, that's when I really started my journey of going back and forth to LA and it was, it was, it was a, it was a very interesting time, but you know, I wanted, my goal was to make sure that I had something worth moving for, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I felt like back in 20, um, 22, I had what I needed that would allow me to move here and thrive versus moving here and struggling because I didn't want to move here and be inside of a studio apartment and all the rest of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but, but having me, three that... children and a wife and doing a studio apartment and being, right. you know, exactly. being already where you are is totally different than being like some, you know, like young guy who just like hasn't had anything yet and you're just like exactly. moving to Hollywood to see what happens. Like, no, you don't want to put yourself in that position. Exactly. So, you know, to be able to move here and to be able to be now in a in a five bedroom home and to to have like and you paid for that all through your music through through that and and my other streams of income yeah so that's really smart yeah and people think like oh you must have had to work a day job while you're doing music it's like no i'm just smart with my investments like i have so much money invested that i'm literally getting like large dividends every month that i reinvest and like if you're smart about it you can make it work but then people are gonna stand there being like oh you buy a house it's like because i did this shit like are you but you know i'm I'm, but like i said there's like a lot of duality in my life and you know let me get back to the grammy thing but before i do that just let me say let me say that you know even for my older brother uh you know he turned his life around he doesn't do like the whole game banging stuff anymore but i not only saw him as not only my brother, but I saw him as a father figure too, because he's older than me, because he's yeah. well into his forties. So, um, so for me, like seeing how he moved and seeing how, at a certain point in time, he had like two million dollars worth of properties and all that stuff, and he's showing me how to buy and sell and how to renovate and how to do all the rest of that stuff and how to how to um, have tenants and you know he like all that stuff so now i'm in, i'm here in my head i'm thinking like okay well this is something that i can do so being able to 
continue that legacy. But that's why it's about each one, teach one and, and pushing that legacy forward. Because now yeah. for me, I wasn't intimidated when it's like, hey, you want to buy this three or four flat property? Or, hey, do you want to start this trucking company? Or, hey, do you want to do this? Or, do you want to do it's like, yeah, I want to do it. And I know that I have the ability to do it because I've seen someone yeah. else do it. And I was there for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so same for me with my production company. People are like, you can't fucking produce an $80 million animated series. And I'm like, watch me. And you just start from the bottom with our animator who lives in London, um, who's also, um, you know, he's actually Nigerian. And he is really plugged into the whole African animation community. And we transitioned that to pitching, you know, huge executives of big companies, having our web team having a big following being able to have a huge disney star attached you know it doesn't just happen in one year this took no. us over five years like since i've been with my fiance i have been helping him for free on this stuff and we finally just last summer made our own production company watchlight entertainment so it's like it. it's the same thing as trucking company real estate sales you know all of this except it's like you need to choose one or two because all your time is going to go into that so it's smart that you choose and then you do it because people think oh yeah you're just wasting time and money no if you focus right on the right things like i did and like you did and how you're doing you're going to make a lot of big waves in the industry you're not going to whatever industry you're in and you're able to to filter everything to what you need and yeah. that sounds so confusing but it's like really like it's hard to explain to anyone who doesn't get it when you have to have multiple focuses and aspirations in life and then use everything to channel it into what you need. Yeah. And it's, it's about, it's about passive income, right? Because exactly you know, for me, like, even like if we're talking about trucking, right, I'm not driving those trucks. So it's passive income for me. Or even if we're talking about like a three flat or a four flat building, like I'm not sitting there doing the maintenance on those buildings or I don't even really have to physically be there. So that's passive income. And it's about having that passive income. So that way, you don't have to dedicate the majority of your time to that when instead you can dedicate it to something else, which is what I do, dedicating that time to music. So that type of stuff goes a long way, which allowed me to be able to move to LA and eventually meet Eddie Kenzo. I met him at a Grammy event um, in 2021. Um, And from there we hit it off right away because we were sitting right, we ended up sitting right next to one another and I felt his energy. He felt mine. We were like, Hey, Let's go hit the studio. So he wanted to hit the studio right away. So the following right. day, we, the following day we hit the studio. Um, I had already been working on an Afrobeast project at the time, so it was perfect timing for me. I asked him to be a part of it. He was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do it." He plays a beat for me. That first beat that he played would eventually become the record "Give Me Love." So for me, I'm thinking inside of my head like, "Ah, oh, I like the beat, but like, let me hear something else. I wanna, I wanna hear more than just one song. I don't wanna pick the first beat." But Angela, my wife, was like, no, this is the one. This is the beat that you guys need to do. This is a vibe, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So the whole song ended up being a freestyle. We freestyled the song. There was no, like, real writing, right? We just kind of just Those went Those are the best group. songs, man. Sometimes uh, exactly. I have song in eight minutes. Yeah. So we just went into that. We just went in and we just freestyled off the top of our head. It was a vibe. And and from there, like the record was spawned and it's gone way further than I ever imagined. And it's done way better than I ever could have imagined, because if anybody would have told me when I was in that studio doing that, that the following year I would be Grammy nominated, I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> so. Right. And like, how did you how did you do that whole plan? Because I was talking with Kit and he's like, I know all the people. He's like, if you make my, my record Criminal Misfit that I'm about to drop. And I also have a collaboration with um my friend who actually apparently knows your friend, Eddie Kenzo. Um, do you know who Praise is? Praise. Praise. He's, he's on The Voice in Nigeria. He's my really good friend. 
Okay, okay. He's I'm, a I'm he's gonna... a judge. He's a judge. So he, we became friends through the recording academy and through my podcast. So then he he wanted to do a song with me for next year's Grammys, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" So like, if I do that song and then my other song, Criminal Misfit, I feel like I have a good footing for next year's Grammys to do um a, a campaign and actually, you know, what I mean, because it's my first year even like observing how everything works. Like, yeah. how did you do that? Like, obviously, that's just an aspiration for me, and that's just a manifestation. And who knows when I'll be nominated? I know I will be because I I have the the work ethic and the drive and the talent, but what did with your whole basically campaign like how did you set that up well, well I, I believe that things happen in threes right yes and it's ironic that i'm saying that because like even with with my children right like <laughs> angela and i were like yeah exactly angela and i were like you know we want three children we want two boys and one girl and that's exactly what we ended up having or like it took us three times before we ended up eventually moving to la like it took us three deliberations of being serious about it before we moved or it took us looking at three houses before we purchased the house that we're currently in today in la or so for our for the grammy for the grammy push when we finally decided to do it it was one of those situations where initially i had submitted my album my debut u.s album eden um which ended up charting on billboard it was my first time charting um, I was super excited about that. That album didn't end up getting nominated. I also had submitted um, the following year my EP, No Days Off, uh, which also didn't end up getting nominated. And then I submitted the record, Give Me Love, which eventually ended up getting right. nominated. Well, that happened in threes as well. So that process of of being familiar with the voting body, getting my name out there, letting people get familiar with my music and my face and building those relationships within the voting body. So that way, when people saw my music or saw my name, they were familiar enough with me where they were willing to give it a listen and be like, hey, Matt, this is third time submitting. Let's give his song a listen. Maybe we might like it. And then also just learning the process, learning about you know what it takes, um, whether it be attending the events like the like my event that you attended, right? Right. Um, think things like that go a long way because you're you're putting your face out there. So that way, the following year, when you when you are ready to submit again, now people know exactly who you are because they're like, okay, wow, that's Amanda. I remember seeing her last year at at Matt B's event for for his record, and you know I really liked her vibe. Let's see what music she has out and what what she submitted for this year, and then it's, it heightens the likelihood that when they put their ears on it, that they're going to actually vote for you because they know what you stand for. They appreciate your art and they feel like the body of work that you have presented is is worth a nomination. Yeah. So that's kind of how that came about. And it meant a lot that you, you and Kit had me at your event and like, I would be so grateful just to be invited to more of your events, you know, give you like a good, um, you know, Give get what what is the word you would even use for that? Like do your name justice, so to speak. Like be like, hey, check out our podcast, all this stuff, and you know, just be. It's just helpful just to have friends who will put you on. Like just know, like when people vibe with you, they're putting your name in rooms that you haven't even entered yet. Like I'm sure you're putting my name in rooms already. Just like I put yours. 100%. in I'm like, look at this guy's song. It's so cool. Like it's so catchy. I I really loved his event, and he really cares about his fans. You know, and it's yeah, props. Yeah, it's not bullshit. It's not like fake bullshit. Like a lot of people have, you know, where it's like, oh, vote for me, vote for me. Like, do you know how many things I got during voting season like that? That's like, please consider me. Please consider me. Like, you don't have to go around like that. You're just like, here's my stuff. You know, check it out. That's it. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's about building those personal relationships. Because even for us, as an example, right. Like, obviously, whatever you submit next year, you're obvious for um, 2024's Grammy yeah. Award, you're, you're going to obviously share with me as I will with you. 
but obviously I would listen. Why? Because we have a relationship with one another. So that relationship goes a long way. Whereas like, okay, I'm very familiar with Amanda. I know what she stands for. I know her vibes, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, I'm going to listen to her project. Now, whether or not I'm voting in that category and all the rest of that stuff, that's, that's obviously that has to do with whatever is going on during that, during that award season. But at the end of the day, so it's, it's the hardest part is to get people to actually listen. So you're already a hundred times ahead of everybody else just because that person pressed play on your record. Right. Literally. And do you, do you have a whole campaign for your Grammys? Like how did, how did you get to the point of being the final round nomination? Did you just continue to share with your network or did you like directly contact people? Like I'm curious and I want everyone to understand like the voting process. Like, how did you do that? Cause I mean, I know how, like, you're awesome, but in addition to that, like, how else? Like, how did you push it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%, yeah. There, there, there's a campaign that goes on. Like, for instance, you came to that, um, you came to our Celebration of Music event, which is not only an event to honor and celebrate those who were nominated, but also there's some there's some campaigning going on there because you're around the voting body and I mean, you're around people who are, who are voting members and you're able to, to touch them and, 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 and they're able to feel your energy. And like we had an event earlier on in the year where, where you're, where we were touching voting members and voting in the voting body and being able to get them all into one room where you're able to network. And then from there, you know, you're sending your music and you're asking for their consideration you're 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 contacting different people from different walks of life all around the United States who are a part of the voting body and you're sending emails and things like that asking for their consideration and that's all you really can do there's really no real secret behind it other than just really getting your name out there and asking for people who are a part of the recording academy the voting body to consider your record and there are those who, who are able to touch more members of the voting body. And then there are those who aren't. And for those who are able to touch more members of the voting body, obviously, it's because of their hard work and their tenacious spirit that allows them to do that. And then you just kind of cross your fingers and <laughs> hope for the best. I know. I really hope you win, like, as your friend and also as, like, a member. Like, I don't know if I can legally say that I voted for you, but let's just say, like, I considered you, I guess I could say. Like, I don't want to I don't want to violate any rules. Uh, but, you know. I considered you. I'll say it that way. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate your consideration. No, of course. But I appreciate that you obviously are going to consider me next year as well. Now that we know each other, like we have uh, to help 100%, each other. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. We have to help each other, and like that's why I'm trying to like my friend Craze. We're trying to figure out when's the best time to start working on this record because we were talking last week, and we're like, because we both have so much going on, you know. But like, if we could do the global category, and he could have my fans behind him. And I have his fans behind me and we, we collaborate and push it that way. Like, I think that's a huge part of why your song became huge. You know? Oh, I mean? oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's about having, it's about having that camaraderie and, and being able to, to motivate and touch the voting body in a way that maybe other people weren't able to do. And Eddie and I were able to do that because I mean, you know, I, I've been doing music for ever since I was a kid. So I have that, I had that and same thing for Eddie, him doing music ever since he was a kid and having his successes and his ways and us combining our talents together to make something worthwhile where it was worth people saying, wow, this is something that I that really resonates with me, something that I appreciate and they show their appreciation for the art by voting for it. So it, it goes a long way. So I, I definitely think that if that's an avenue that you want to take, it's an avenue worth taking because you never know what may come of it yeah you really do and like 
I really didn't realize what Playboy was going to bring me. I really did not know. Like, I had no clue mm-hmm. what this was going to bring me. I was like, okay, like, this is this seems like it's very off my track. What am I doing this for? But I realized, you know, there's a lot of musicians who have used Playboy in the past or use other magazines like that to gain mm-hmm. a leverage by modeling. And I thought, you know, as long as I'm not doing anything nude and anything against my principles, why do I care? You know, I can just do everything I'm posting on Instagram. And I've made tens of thousands of dollars in the last few months. <laughs> I mean, just, and able to put able to put that away for my future, my family, you know, all of that. And I think that's important. And to be able to, you know, funnel your creativity into a monetizable form. You know, most people listening to this probably don't realize we get paid half a cent per stream. And even if you have millions of streams, you know, it boils down to very little money after after the percentage everyone takes and everything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. 100%. 100 and you know that's that's when it's about just how do you conduct your business and you know that's when we start thinking about things like sync placements and things like that and and what does that mean and how do you go about doing it and all that stuff so you know a lot of that that's when it comes to the business end of the music industry and understanding how to make money like that you know what I exactly mean? and when you do understand the business end of the music industry at the end of the day is 90 percent business and like 10 percent talent talent to me is like having an I uh, uh, an ID that says twenty one or older. You have to have that to get into the club, right? But but right. Your pre- but your presence and what you do in the club is based off of how you move through that situation. Are you exactly. the type of person to buy the to buy a table out? Are you the type of person who who knows the DJ and you're up there with the DJ? Are you the type of person who's just bobbing your head in the corner? So ha- being talented really isn't going to get you very much of anything. That's that's your ID. That's being twenty one or older to get in the club. But utilizing those business skills right. is what's going to allow you to have upward mobility. Right, and, and having those skills and and have and being ready because I'm ready for that deal. I'm ready for that that moment. I'm ready for like what the moment you have where it's like you like I I basically self produced my first record completely with I worked with other producers, but I was basically had no clue what I was doing, so it was a big mess. And it's like uh, to be at the point now where everything's polished, everything's playlisted. Like every day I receive notifications. Oh my god, I heard your music from this playlist, that playlist. I didn't even do anything. They're just putting my music everywhere. Like, you know, just being in that position, I'm like I'm ready for that Matt B moment where everyone's like, wow, like this is actually worth something, and like let me sign this and let me distribute this because it's so niche and so different. You know. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And just to close the show off, I mean, we could go on for hours, man. I can't wait to hopefully hang soon, and we could, you know, definitely do a double date or some sort of thing sometime. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, I love it. I love you. I love it, and you know, I'd love to talk about your your next goals. You know, past the Grammys, I envision you, and even if this doesn't happen, I just envision this for you in general, winning the Grammy, even if that's <laughs> not this year. I I hope to Thank God you. it's this year, but I envision it, and I, you know, past that, past winning that Grammy. What is your next goals and your next focus? You know, what is what is next for Matt B? Well, you know, it's it's about ex, um, expanding my footprint, and you know, a lot of people would say, "Well, how much further can you expand it?" <laughs> I, right, I, right. I, you know, Japan, China, or Europe, uh, Africa. Like I'm, I like to know that. I've touched all of these different continents and to know that in all these different countries and to know that I've been hurt. My music has been heard literally around the world and I've touched millions of people. It's, it's, it's very, it's a very humbling um, uh, situation, but you know, I still have more fight in me and I'm still hungry. You know, I'm only 33 years old. Like I'm fresh out of my twenties. I, I have a, I have a lot of, of fight left in me, you know? So I, so I am working on, 
a lot of different things. I have an EP that's coming out. I don't want to say the name of it yet, or I think my publicist would kill don't me. Don't say it. Don't say so it. I, <laughs> so I have an EP coming out in, in uh, this year, I'll say. And, you know, it's an Afrobeats EP, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I have um, more records that I'm working on with Kenzo. So, you know, Eddie and I have been in and out of the studio and, and all of that. So that's fun. I have a lot of collaborations that are down the pipeline with a lot of um, African artists across the continent of Africa, new music videos I'm working on, dabbling in acting, um, you know, it's just the whole nine yards. My my future goal, a hundred percent, is an egot. So you got an egot. This is this is giving thirty rock. This is giving. <laughs> this is giving. Oh my god. This so is giving I, Tracy I, Morgan here. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't know how long that's going to take me, I, but I know that I am going to have an EGOT by the end of my career or maybe even somewhere towards and the And I'm happy so. to help you do the E part because <laughs> I can be the producer, man. I'm here for it. <laughs> I didn't go to USC for nothing, right? A hundred percent. We're 100%. out here. You're going to EGOT. I, I feel it. I feel that you have a great stage presence Um, that I felt from, you know, at Matt's event, you know, I saw him perform and. Um, you and Eddie really have a great chemistry, and I feel like this is one of those kids he goes type moments, like Kanye and uh, Kid Cudi. You know, it's like oh, right, or or even or even Kanye and uh, and Jay Z. You know, yeah, Kanye and Jay Z. It's like it's like um, it's like Rockefeller Records. It's like you know, you have to really put on each other in order. You know, we all gain value from each other, and that's something that I feel like this music industry that we have in 2022 2023 this whole era is like let's collab let's build on each other's followings and i feel like before it wasn't like that it was like nope i'm keeping all this shit to myself and now it's like okay let's share let's share this and make the wealth even greater for both of us well well, jay-z said something very powerful um he said that just because you have the knowledge doesn't mean that you know what to do with it so it's not so you know at the end of the day that's why knowledge is so important and it's important to pass that knowledge around, but it's also important to have those mentors in your life that actually know how to go about moving, maneuvering the industry in a way that actually makes sense, in a way that that one can understand. And I personally pride myself of surrounding myself with people who are 20, 30 years in the business that know what they're doing. Because, you know, I'm still green around the ears compared to somebody like that. So I always... <laughs> student of the craft and I always want to learn more because I know that there's more to learn and I know enough to know that I don't know everything well and you're humble and you know how it works like you get that I'm the same way it's like you get that there's a lot more to be done you know it's not just yeah. like you do this and then you're there and then you're successful yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah oh my god but it was incredible having you on the show and um, I can, I really hope that we're doing an, another interview sometime and we're talking about your Grammy win because <laughs> it's going to be crazy. 100%. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, and thanks for coming on. Wants- and I love if you could plug all your social media before you dip and give one piece of advice to everyone before you head out. Yeah, um, if anybody wants to check out any more of my music, um, they can follow me at Matt B World. That's M A T T B World across all social media platforms and step into my world because once you do, you do not want to leave it. I can guarantee you. Do not. You do not. He's awesome. (laughs) And as far as advice, I'd say, you know, just try and be, try and learn as many skills as you possibly can. Um, Know that you don't know everything, know that there's always something out there to learn. Stay humble, stay hungry, um, and, you know, just keep pushing. Stay as authentically yourself as you possibly can, and the world is your oyster, and you will be able to achieve anything that you would like to achieve just as long as you stay focused.
So true. Great wise words. Go check him out. Matt B everywhere on social media and uh here's to the grammys and um please give this podcast five stars if you enjoyed it and feel free to send him your favorite song and so you can give him some feedback about how much you love it (laughs) (laughs) have a great rest of your day matt and we'll be in touch and i'll be seeing you at the grammys most definitely see you soon peace